Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Hospitality Digital Marketing Podcast, presented by HSMAI, the Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, and its Digital Marketing Council. And now, your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hospitality Digital Marketing, the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 119. We are currently airing Friday, September 2nd, 2016. Every week, we spend around 20 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in digital marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live video show, the only live video show interactive in the known world, as far as we know, called This Week in Hospitality Digital Marketing, which also airs every Friday at 10.30 a.m. Central U.S. time. So with that, let's get started. I really want to focus on today. Normally, we talk about tools first and then get into the news and techniques and with a recap of the show. But the show, we, we've changed our format, and it really was a wonderful show this past uh, uh, today uh, with uh, Mr. Edward St. Ange, a, a persistent co-host of ours. But he's done that on his own, um, and we decided we wanted to always do a now weekly interview. And as a uh, thank you for all the support that he has uh, given us over uh, all over a year, actually, uh, we thought it would be fun to go over and, and be able to sit down with him for about a half hour and really talk about his uh, company called Flip2. For those who are unfamiliar with it, Flip, F-L-I-P dot T-O. Um, the show itself was was wonderful. We spent way more than a half hour. As a matter of fact, the entire show ran for two hours and 12 minutes. Now, not all of it was related to the interview with Ed, but um, a good portion of it was, almost an hour of it was, in which it really was more of um, a discussion almost philosophically as to the real purpose of social media, the real purpose of hospitality in social media, and the real usability of social media in the emerging, changing technologies that we're facing, the rented sand, as it were, the sandboxes, as it were, as to Facebook's control and uh, Instagram and Twitter's control over the content and the messaging to our guests that have indicated they want to use that platform to reach out to us and what Flip2 has been doing about it. Um, other co-hosts with us is the ever-present Mr. Robert Cole with Rock Cheetah and, of course, Mr. Tim Peter from Tim Peter & Associates. Tim was able to join us about 25 minutes into it. We had some technical fun with the show that uh, this morning, uh, but we got it all worked out. And then I had to step away at the end of 60 minutes because I had to make a drive down to Florida. Um, so with that, I'd like to go a little bit over the highlights, some more of, of the statements that were made within the show itself and some of the really excellent points that were made during and through the conversation. So in, in lieu of talking about a particular tool or a particular case study or technique, I'd like to kind of just kind of run through some of the highlighted statements that were made within uh, the conversation with Mr. Ed uh, from Flip2. Now, all of this, of course, you can do the entire playback of the live show on our website at hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash live, um, a live show. Uh, excuse me, for, 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 
of uh, forward slash live, not, not live show, live. We changed that to make it a little bit shorter and easier. So hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash live. Uh, that is where you'll find not only the replay of the show, the promotion video that does a recap for it, which we always have fun doing the animation for. And then, of course, the show notes. So minute by minute, so you don't have to listen to the all tw- two hours and 12 minutes to get the whole conversation. You can actually go to minute markers that are indicated in the show notes um, to the points that were made at that time and play through the conversation at that point. I do recommend out of the, uh, the, the show that you spend at least the first half hour listening through the context of the show. It really was a great conversation about the real value proposition of social media in the world of hospitality and what's changing and what should be changed about it. Um, some statements that were made, Ed made this one comment that it was very relevant, and that was we look at social media and we look at the context of the individual because our, our hospitality service is about individual experience. And the point was made that guests by themselves do not really have a lot of reach, meaning that by servicing just one guest, you're not making a dramatic change to your business model. But together, and they become extremely powerful. Uh, 16%, according to Ed, uh, uh, on average, you share their experiences of their travel with those that follow them. And the average person on Facebook has about 300 friends that follow them. So you figure that for every guest, 16% of those will share what had happened while they stayed with you at your hotel or your product or restaurant or what have you. And if 16% of 300 on average get that message from their friends and family because Facebook does prioritize friends and family sharing above all other shares in the context of people's news feeds. Now you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that have been shared with in the context of their experience of a friend of theirs staying or having your product, your restaurant or not. That's a very powerful volume of uh, amplitude. And I have to echo that statement because when I do get the privilege of speaking at colleges, I always have a fun exercise with them after scaring them as to what their phone knows about their locations and where they stayed by having them go into the locations uh, profile. The next thing I have them do is that we go through the room and I have them shout out on each platform how many followers they have. And of course, they get to boast about that. And usually a lot of, of those in college have more than the average 300 that follow them. And so we start adding the, mo- the numbers together. We get in literally into the millions of people that they can reach out to in a first step kind of way, people that actually follow them. Then we start cutting that number down. Like, okay, let's say that half of that number are people know each other, that it's the same people. So we keep cutting this number down. And because I'm based in Dallas, refer to the American Airlines Stadium there that can have 100,000 people. And after we go through all these filterings, all these credentials, we boil down to the fact that we say that there is 100,000 people that will not only hear what you say, like what you say, but act on what you say. And I said, how weird and intimidating would it be for you to stand in the middle of the American Airlines arena in Dallas, have a arena full of 100,000 people that you stand on a podium and say, go to this restaurant and eat, and they would stand up and go to that restaurant. And, and they realized just how powerful a voice people have on social platforms. Uh, Ed went on to say also uh, that social platforms uh, are still the most affordable marketing platform when it comes to, in comparison, other digital marketing platforms. Uh, there can be contention to that depending upon the uh, ROI or the conversion values of them. But for what successes he and Flip2 have been having, uh, it's a justified statement on his part because he went on to mention that they usually operate in the, the arena of 20 to 1. 20 to 1. For every dollar given, they're getting $20 back. And he says those aren't our, our highest performing relationships. The highest performing relationships are in the me- mega resorts. And we all know those to be 
you think they're easy to sell, but they have a lot to sell. So there's a give and a take. Yes, it's easier to sell a mega resort because of all the amenities and values that they provide, but you also have to have the volume to justify that. And he says those were upwards, well beyond upwards of 20 to 1, that those relationships exist with the platform that Flip2 offers. Now, I'm not here to advocate at Flip2 or to sell Flip2 on the podcast, um, and neither was the live show. The live show was not out to, to sell Flip2. It was really just to uh, highlight and feature, spotlight as it were, the services that Flip2 offers and, uh, and, and to allow for the critique of what its value proposition is. We've talked quite clearly about what um, customers may not be good fits for Flip2. And there are criteria that Flip2 has as to whether or not they would accept a customer because they're not out to, success, uh, to, to create relationships of failure. They're out to create relationships of success. That builds their brand as well. So they want to make sure that they are a good fit for whom they consider to be a good customer. And some of the criteria comes to direct channel and how much direct channel is contributing to the actual hotel's uh, revenue stream. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, some other things that uh, were discussed. For every 100 guests invited to engage, uh, you tend to get 12 full stories of shared content. Now, um, to put this in context, the premise of Flip2 is not to mitigate your social content. Um, the strategy inherently within the industry so far is that the the company or the hotel is to provide content, whether it be rich images, stories, marketing messages, and really they're not the users. So Flip2 has decided that it's better to find content that is more genuine and because of the criteria or the filters associated with social platforms, more readily available to be shared by Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and so forth because it's being shared between friends. And that's the premise of their model. They create stories based on content generated by the guests of the hotel, not the content generated by the hotel itself. So when they say that through getting 100 guests invited to engage in content, it's through this 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 uh, incubation of relationship, their ability to filter and define their demographics, that through 100 guests that are invited to engage, they end up getting 12 full stories of an experience that is shared by the guests of the hotel to their average 300 plus friends or so which goes into the whole metrics of the hundreds of thousands of people that see their friends or them just like themselves having enjoyed the product itself. So that was an interesting stat that he brought up. He also made a very interesting statement called photo advocacy. And this one I, I share his sentiment completely with. I was always um, uh, an ardent uh, arguer to ownerships of hotels that provided pictures of their porte cachet and their, their lobby and so forth or their exterior of their building, none of which is any value proposition, mind the aesthetics of, of seeing that what the building looks like or the fact that it has a porte cachet, or was of any benefit to the user. Uh, it was really more of an ego of the owner saying, hey, look at my building, look what I invested in. But the photo itself had no real value to the actual user's interpretation of deciding to stay at that hotel necessarily. So uh, his photo advocacy statement is not about the building, but what people do with what you have. And that was a very interesting statement he made that allow the content to be generated through the lens of the user. Your content or your product will be used in ways that you never determined. And we had a great story about uh, bike rentals. Uh, there was one hotel he had that uh, listed that they had uh, free bikes to use, not even rentals, but free bikes to use right along the side that they had a coffee maker in the room kind of thing, just a static amenity kind of stuff. But the content that they got from the users of, of being on the bicycles through the wonderful trails that were around there, which is why they had the bikes, uh, and those pictures of them exploring and going through the trails was content that the hotel never really realized they had until it was 
provided by the guest user experience. Just like, as I mentioned in our conversation on the live show, just like why producers of apps bring it to a public beta is because they brought it to a, a point where they've thought of all the variables that their group can have, but then when you hand it to tens of thousands of potential users, they have tens of thousands more ways to to look at how to make that product better. So the same is for the social platforms and the content. Hotels try to um, idolize what they think should be proper content. They, they contain their ideas based on their, their market vision. The customer doesn't have that constraint. The customer has the perception of what they're using it for. And because of that, there's always going to be a, a host of ways never even conceived, like using bicycles and taking pictures of bike trails that would never have been thought of by the hotel on its own, but instead was inspired from the consumer. So it was a great point for uh, the use of content from a consumer-generated point of view. Um, the other was, I thought was an interesting statement he made was a TechCrunch article he referred to, and, and I'll have that in the show notes for a link as well, is referring to the fact that pages under 20,000 followers will potentially by the end of the year um, not have any real organic value to news feeds. Uh, no surprise in concept. We've known this from Facebook for a long time. When Facebook first started, they were soliciting us to have people follow our business pages, and they were providing um, our content organically to all those that followed the page. They didn't really have a uh, advanced algorithm to filter out anything that we would post on our page that wouldn't show up onto a newsfeed. Well, they would then limit the number of pages you could follow. This goes back a couple of years. So for those who remember back to those days, you were limited as to how many things you could follow. Well, now that their algorithm is uh, improved, now uh, they allow you to follow anything. But to do that, they can, they have to filter what is being shown up in your newsfeed. And so now we know that the organic reach of what we post on our business pages is somewhere in the range of maybe 4% of our audience actually sees. Now, Facebook says that that 4% audience is a qualified audience based on all the things that they know about them and their current interest in what you might be posting. So it's a qualified 4%, but it's still only 4% of the people that have actually made the effort of following your business page. So it doesn't seem like a big surprise that eventually if you're not providing or do not have a large enough audience uh, with uh, good engagement of your posts, uh, to justify even that little bit of percentage to be uh, of your post to be put into somebody's news feed. He made an interesting statistic. He said that at any one time, there are 1,500 items that can be posted into an individual's news feed, but only 300 are allowed by Facebook. So now you figure if only 300 out of 1,500 potentials can be put into your news feed. So you're not going to be on Facebook if you're not getting relevant content, obviously. So that's why Facebook is doing this, is that they, they're choosing what they think is the most interesting things that you would be interested in based on what they know about you, your pattern of what you look at, what you view, what you open, what you share, what you like, what your friends like, what they share. All that's used to determine what those 300 items are. Well, a predominant amount of those 300 items are things from your friends and family based on how you've indicated your interest in them or the frequency of your engagement with them. So a large line share of that reduced amount that goes into your newsfeed is already quadranted off for friends and family, not for business pages, okay, for friends and family. Business pages that you're actively engaged with get the scraps of all that. So if you're not with a large enough audience, potentially 20k or less, as he says, you're less likely to even have any of that opportunity in the remaining space available for those posts and news feeds to be in there. And remember, you're also competing with all those other larger news feeds like the Mashables and the whatever news feeds that you listen to because if your friends are following and liking and sharing those news feeds along with you, that increases their priority as well and they get pushed in front of your business pages. 
And if you think about it, it doesn't, again, it's rented land. Facebook is a publicly traded company out for profit. So because of that, their profitability is that they have to have ads. That's their money. The users don't spend to use Facebook. We as users don't spend the privilege of having Facebook. But for Facebook to be used by us, it has to be relevant to us, which goes back to our last week's episode in the podcast and in the live show where we talked about that Facebook is doing us a favor by increasing their ad blocking um, instead of having third parties do it. And in exchange for doing this, the more that you tell about what you're interested in, the more specific the ads would be about what you're interested in. So we give up a more personal information, but in exchange, we only get ads that we would actually be interested in. So because of that, Facebook would be able to make their money because they can sell qualified customers to whatever product we're trying to sell. But in exchange, our organic value goes away. And when you think of it, the free ride is over. We have no, Facebook has no loyalty to uh, businesses uh, giving free advertisement by organic content uh, to its audience of users um, for any reason, uh, unless it's relevant. And the relevancy is now being criteriated by numbers of followers and your engagements to your posts of what you have. So really, you're going to have to pay to play. If you're going to be in the Facebook space as a business, you're going to have to spend money, even if it's a small amount of money, to make sure that your content is put in front of qualified audiences that have indicated what they're interested or not interested in. So it was a fantastic discussion we had between Tim, Robert, Ed, and I on all of those variances of, wow, you know, that's the world we live in. And Facebook isn't the only one. It's all going that way. All platforms, all social platforms are going to, if you're a business, you need to pay for the ability to reach an audience on that platform. The organic isn't going to be there for very long, if at all. All right. So with that, we also made the announcement that there, uh, we have our own 24-hour, seven-day-a-week live show, which at this point, we're almost two days full of non-repeating content. It's on a platform called FireTalk. Uh, now, you can go and watch our live show anytime. All of the repeats of our, of our live video shows, plus all of my uh, webinars, plus all of my ads and all the fun stuff I've been doing on YouTube are all there. It is at hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com uh, forward slash 24 live. And uh, it's, it's fun you get to see all the shows. Like I said, we have almost two full days of non-repeating content, plus a lot of uh, commercials and webinars, and it's just fun stuff. So uh, if you're interested in catching a little bit of our live show to see what they're like, that's a great place to go catch them because they're always playing. Um, some other statements that were made out of this, uh, Flip2 made some great single statements to what we should all consider as being value propositions in our approach to social media. One is guest satisfaction, because we are a hospitality industry. Second is guest relationships, because we're a hospitality industry. The third is relevant content. Fourth is understanding the data of those that are using our, con our product, our guests, and understanding who our guests are would be best. Guest reviews, refining our relationship with them so that they express their value to us. Guest interaction, which again is because we're a hospitality industry, and direct bookings. So to recap those value propositions, guest satisfaction, guest relationships, content, understanding of data, guest reviews, guest interaction, and direct bookings. I thought it was a very great core-centric idea to put on a little banner above your head when you're doing your social media. Um, another statement was made by Tim, which I thought was very interesting because we talked about platforms and services and softwares, and last week we had a very lively discussion about the value of uh, consulting versus agencies and so forth. And a lot of agencies walk around with platforms. They're offering platform services. Well, we got into the discussion of platforms, and he made a statement that says, a true platform is one that allows you to do what you do without the constraints of the process of the platform. 
Others think a platform is a process that has to be followed. And that's the difference. Agencies say, hey, we have this platform for you to do all of these things, your social postings, your uh, feedbacks, your web updates, and so forth. But that's not a platform, that's a process, because you have to do it in the construct of how they built it. Uh, you go here, this is what you do, this does this to that. That's a process, that's not a platform. A platform is one that says, we can plug in and do what you have as a goal. If your goal is X, then you take our platform and do whatever you do to get to X, and our platform will do that for you. Very big difference. And we did say that Flip2 is more of a platform. It is a platform because no matter what your goal is, they have the data and the solution built into their product so that you know what your goal is. The product is the one that helps. The platform is what provides that. It's not a process, which I thought was an interesting conversation we had with it. One news item that came out, we had a lively discussion about automation and so forth. But we did have a news item that Uber loses $1.2 billion, billion with a B, year to date, uh, which is the most any company's lost in that period of time, apparently. Um, well, because of the acquisition or the merging of the Chinese uh, relationship and so forth. Um, it, that's what spurred our conversation the most. Uh, by 2021 is the forecast, right? Most major car manufacturers will have autonomous car fleets in service in most DMAs. The idea that Uber was to provide a service so that you no longer had to own a car might be usurped by the fact that most cars may not need a driver to service it. So that's where our conversation came from that, which uh, Robert and Tim did a great job championing for the remaining 45 minutes of the show afterwards. Uh, so it was a great show, and I apologize if you were looking here for uh, Tools and Tech today. I'll double up on it next week on tools and so forth. Uh, this week, I do get the privilege, uh, this upcoming week, I get the privilege of speaking with HSMA's Digital Marketing Council on a retreat. So I'll probably have lots of tidbits and information associated with uh, thoughts and methodologies of a brilliant group of people that get together. And I'll try to throw that into next week's podcast as well. So remember, you can find us on Google Play, Apple iTunes, TalkShoot, SoundCloud, Stitcher, no matter which one you may use. If you like the show, please rate us and leave a comment. That helps us and helps people find us. Also, if this is your first time hearing us, you can subscribe to our show on any of those platforms as well and download it to either your Android phone from Google Play or your, uh, your Apple phone from iTunes or if you like Stitcher or SoundCloud or TalkShoe as variations. Um, let's see. You can uh, also, for any archive of our previous broadcasts, any of our previous shows, which are five years in the making, you can go to hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash podcasts. And don't forget our live video show, which we just talked about, that you can join and participate in. It just doesn't, isn't a viewership. You can actually join and grab a chair and join us visually and join the conversation every Friday at 1030 Central U.S. time. And it's called This Week in Hospitality, Digital Marketing, The Show. It's on Hauza, H-U-Z-Z-A dot I-O. Or you can simply go to hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash live, L-I-V-E. And with that, that wraps up our podcast at number 119. Thank you so much for your time today. And we look forward to speaking to you again next week, next Friday to be exact, on Hospitality Digital Marketing, the podcast. You have been listening to the Hospitality Digital Marketing Podcast with Lauren Gray. Presented by the Digital Marketing Council of HSMAI the Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International. All views expressed are those of the host and his guests and do not reflect upon HSMAI or the sponsors of the podcast. Podcast and its content is protected by international copyrights. Any use not authorized by hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com is in violation.